Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for. I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45 years of experience in children's ministry. I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister. Welcome, friends. Thank you so much for joining us today. Last week, we began a conversation with Angela Luton, who is a children's ministry safety and security expert with KidCheck. She began sharing with us about emergency policies, um, emergency response plans. And so she had so much wonderful information to share. We have split that up into two episodes. This is our second half, second portion of our information about emergency response plans. Um, My last one is health and behavioral emergencies, because we do see more and more of this um, anytime yeah. you turn on the television. And I would actually put an active shooter scenario within this bucket mm-hmm. because, um, you know, it's more on the, the health and behavioral side. So with those, what's really important for these types of emergencies is that your staff is well-trained. Um, I know that oftentimes the Red Cross will offer um, CPR classes for those who want to learn infant CPR as well as, you know, pediatric CPR. And so having a trained staff in these scenarios is really important. And also being connected with your security team is even more important for these types of scenarios because they can be a buffer between you and the situation Mm-hmm. probably a lot better than mm-hmm. anyone else could be a buffer for you. Mm-hmm. So um, with these types of scenarios, it's just really important to make sure that you have your first aid kits well identified, mm-hmm. um, your contact lists for first response. You know, mm-hmm. I think at the end of this, we're going to be providing a link to a printout for an emergency instructions flipbook. Oh, and great. That's really helpful because everything is encapsulated in many different scenarios and it hangs right on your wall. And so you just want to make sure that your staff is trained. They know who to call, who to contact, who to reach out to. Um, Oftentimes those scenarios, whether it's a heart attack or a seizure or an allergic reaction with a child, um, those come on pretty fast. Right. So I always encourage ministries to make sure that everyone is identified externally, whether it's a tag that is what we call a guardian tag that has this child, you know, medical information, allergies. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times there's no contact orders. There are things where there is an unauthorized guardian that should not be picking up the child. Having that information readily available for people to see, not that it like screams it out, but to have some sort of a way for teachers um, to be able to understand the nuances of a child in that scenario. Um, There recently, I think it was last year, there was a, I, I think it was a daycare and a little boy was allergic to dairy and 
it was a new staff member that had come in mm -hmm. and he always wanted to eat dairy and they always told him you can't have it you know you're allergic to it mm -hmm. and that particular day with that a new staff member at the daycare the boy ate some dairy and he he ended up going anaphylactic and the you know the new volunteer mm -hmm. staff member was not able to address the situation she had no idea what to do and so unfortunately the little boy lost his life Mm -hmm. And oh, no. it takes those types of scenarios for people mm -hmm. to understand that it's right. seconds, seconds right. that you need to know right. how to respond to that. And right. so on the health side, those are really, really important mm -hmm. um, for everyone to be trained on. And then if, if everybody can't be trained in CPR or make sure they know exactly where the emergent, the, you know, the first aid kit is, right. make sure that they know who to call, mm -hmm. make sure that they can get first response in there easily and get them out easily. Um, right. That's also scenarios we've heard happening where, um, you know, ambulance fire will come in and doors are blocked or doors are locked and they can't right. get in and they can't figure out where they're supposed to go. And so mm -hmm. it's really important. And we always recommend if you can allow them to train on your right. campus, allow them right. On you know, get connected with your local resources because they have so much information. And they really do. And they want to be helpful. I have found anytime that I've taught, contacted like a local fire hall or the police department for the area that I was in, they were always more than welcome to come to the building to help walk through things because they want to know the plans too, because they need to know what to do if they need mm -hmm. to respond to an emergency in your building. And typically if you don't have a weekday program, you don't have that automatic mm -hmm. check that happens every so often that, you know, I know that the fire departments are supposed to check on a regular basis, all the, the, the churches in the area, but they don't typically, unless there is a need for it, like with a weekday. And so I think having that relationship with the local law enforcement and fire and emergency personnel is so helpful. Absolutely. And they are, I mean, I've even, I think one uh, person shared last year that they reached out to their local police department or sheriff's department when they had VBS right. because they were short on volunteers and they knew that they needed additional external security. So they called them and they said, hey, we've got a VBS taking place. We're going to have a lot of kids. We're short on volunteers. Is it possible to have somebody drive by and just kind of keep an eye on? We'll be outside. They were more than willing to say, absolutely you know what, we'll put a few people on that and we'll, they're just, they're willing to work with you right. and it makes their job a lot easier yeah, too. Really so, mm -hmm. um, and you know, I'm not an expert on active shooter, but I know that there are some complexities there for mm -hmm. putting together an emergency action plan. Right. Like I mentioned earlier on, the complexities are with some facilities it's better to hide and shelter in place. And in other facilities, it's better to evacuate safely mm -hmm. everyone. And a lot of it depends on the scenario. Right. But those are the types of things that law enforcement can help. They train on that all the time. They train together on it. And so um, especially an organization that's dedicated to kids and youth, I believe they would absolutely come in and say, Let's figure this out. How are we going to put an emergency action plan? What does that look like? What are you looking for from us? What, you know, what do you need to learn to do? 
Um, so leveraging those local resources for scenarios like that that are more complex um, are really helpful. Mm -hmm. And really, none of us are really going to have the knowledge that they do in terms of putting together that action plan mm -hmm. on, you know, and so I just really encourage that. And especially for active shooter, there's just been, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about it and, right. um, and it's not fun, but it is something that people need to be aware of, you know, do the doors lock. Can they keep the kids in the room? Can they hide them somewhere? You know, is that the best? Or should they evacuate? You know, right. What does it look like? So having those conversations all the time with volunteers and staff, that's, you know, that's really the big thing with those types of scenarios. So, yeah. And I find that it's so interesting because whenever I've done walkthroughs with children's ministers in buildings for safety and security things, again, because a church building is typically not used every single day, um, and because they don't typically have people that come through and check, having that extra set of eyes to walk through the building, I think is so important because I was always amazed at how many buildings, like, for example, would have chains and padlocks on a random door or yeah. would have, you know, would have certain areas that were blocked off by certain things because, oh, well, we just never use that area when, you right. know, when actually it would be an area of egress if there was an emergency. And it's like, mm -hmm. but if it's padlocked without a key, somebody's not going to be able to get out. So it's those kinds mm -hmm. of things that typically will happen in a large building that, that you don't expect, you know, you wouldn't think would happen, but people do tend to like, Oh, we'll think, Oh, we don't want anybody to come in this door. So let's padlock it. But they don't think, well, now we can't get out the door. Out the door. Yeah. And so, yeah. So having that extra set of eyes to come through to kind of say, have you thought about the fact that, you know, how would you get out this door if you needed to, or what would you do here in this situation? And it's even more difficult with kids, right? Because if you can't get out the door, then you've got to reroute, you know, children and possibly put them in harm's right. way. And so, yeah, I, I think that's such a great point: is walking through and allowing another set of eyes. And those are what we call safety gaps. You know, those would be something when you walk by it a hundred times, you don't really think about it, mm -hmm. but when you actually are in a scenario of emergency, you need that door to be able to open. Right. Um, you know, and I think it's interesting too, what we're seeing on a lot of campuses are automatic doors that lock. Mm -hmm. And so where is that actually controlled? Is that controlled mm -hmm. in a specific part of the campus? What happens mm -hmm. if there's a fire? Do the doors all automatically unlock? Who controls that? You know, mm -hmm. understanding those details of mm -hmm. building safety are really important. And um, but people just don't they don't think about them very often. Mm -hmm. So it's great that you're educating them on, you know, look at those details because they can make the difference of, you know, a tragedy versus, you know, just an emergency going like yours did smoothly where everyone gets out safely and it's very easy. Okay, well, that's what I have for those types of things. But I did want to quickly touch on some of the similar components that you'll find in an EAP. So we talked about the uniqueness of every organization and the complexities of some things. But let's talk, I want to talk a little bit about what the similar components will be, what you should find in every EAP. And um, there's quite a list, but I'll, you know, I'll try to get through it quickly. 
The first one we've already sort of talked about is the routes, the escape plans, the building and facility layout, the design of it, really making sure that you have that captured somewhere in your EAP, whether it's a picture or an actual map of your facility, making sure that that is always included is mm -hmm. one of the most important things because from there, you can really sort of build your scenarios based on that design and um, just the outlets, what's outside of your campus, you know, parking lots, tennis courts, parks, you know, what exists out there. So having that map of the area is really, really important. Um, the incident reporting process. Mm -hmm. So how will you actually report to your first response teams in your local? Mm -hmm. Who will make the call? What numbers will be dialed? Do you have a contact? Um, mm -hmm. Is that your security team or is that you? Um, mm -hmm. So having that incident reporting process mm -hmm. outlined in your EAP for a specific emergency is really helpful as well. Um, alerting staff, how does that happen? Um, yeah. You know, if everybody's in rooms with closed doors or I'm, I'm not sure how the, you know, what your scenario was when you experienced your fire, but how did you alert? I mean, you said for the people in the church, you literally ran out of the building and said, this is, you know, this is not a drill. This right. is an actual fire, <laughs> you know. Um, so how do you alert staff and volunteers and people who are on other parts of the campus? you know, having that process outlined and what it looks like um, is really important. And oftentimes, you know, when you're in it, it can change, obviously. Right. But, you know, do you have a chain where you're, you let the kindergarten teacher know who lets the first grade teacher know? Right. So just having that process outlined. And then how do you communicate with families when mm -hmm. there is uh, an emergency? How will they find out? Will it be via text? Will it be an email? Will it be a phone call? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how do you alert them? How do you let them know their child is safe? Because what do we all want to do when we hear that there's an emergency yeah. where our children are? Boom, we all right. want to go towards it, which right. sometimes makes things harder in terms yeah. of the response. Mm -hmm. So make sure that parents understand and staff understands and volunteers how everybody's going to be communicated with is, mm -hmm. is a really important thing. Um, training. What does your training, what is that going to look like? Having a training plan for emergency response is really important. And I think that's unique to, to every organization. Sometimes mm -hmm. they'll do, you know, training once a month. You can, you know, introduce your booklet, you know, or, what I've seen work even better is what we call a 10 minute standing meeting each week where in your staff or when you have all of your volunteers and staff together, you're going over a procedure, you're going over a, an emergency response, you know, policy or, and you're just, you just keep repeating them each, you know, you just roll through them. And I found that those 10 minute meetings are really helpful because you can spend the first five talking about the policy or the procedure, and then you can spend the last five taking questions. Mm -hmm. And if you have a list that you just need to go over, just do it each week. And slowly but surely, you just give them the information. Um, and then you can use the big trainings for, 
maybe when people come in from the outside. So your local first responders do your big trainings, get people, you know, more comfortable with the facility and exiting and managing chaos from the response side. But, um, you know, you can do what is best for people. But I found smaller chunks of information over periods of time. That's what sticks. At least it's that's what sticks for me. Right. So that's the other thing that needs to be done. Um, and then, you know, a way to account for people. Of course, you know, I work for Kid Check, and <laughs> most people look at check-in as, you know, attendance tracking, but there's so much more to it than right. just that. But how mm-hmm. are you going to account for people, not only children, but also mm-hmm. your volunteers mm-hmm. and also your teachers? Um, everybody responds differently to emergency. So, um, you know, what does that look like and how are you going to account for those people and um, that process, have that outlined in your EAP? Because I think it's helpful too, for people to know, okay, when an emergency happens, this is what's going to happen to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a big deal. When you know what's going to happen, there's no surprises there. You're already surprised by the emergency. But knowing the process behind it, that's really important as well. I think when you're looking at church ministry, the thing that is so unique is that we often have leaders that aren't typically there every single Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we either have volunteers that rotate or maybe we have volunteers that are coming in to fill in for people who aren't there. And so the idea that it's different from, say, a school classroom situation where the teachers know all of their kids, they know all of their names, they are super familiar with the procedures. You know, we we have groups that are coming in and out so regularly that it makes it harder to be as familiar. So having those things like what you provide through KidCheck to be able to have those um, attendance lists so that, you know, teachers will have that list of the names of the kids that are there and be familiar with them. And then to have people like hall directors in place that are there every week that aren't in the classroom, but can be there to help those volunteers that are newer. And so, so that they're familiar with the procedures when something happens. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that there is a, and I know that this is not possible for every for every ministry, but there is a lot, there's a huge safety advantage when we're talking about using technology, even just with the walkie talkies, that's considered a technology, but having the ability to have your information that allows you to make decisions in stressful situations, mobile is a big safety advantage. And not just for the for the person in the classroom, but also exactly what you said, the hall monitors, the security team, you know, there's also those scenarios where you have a special needs class, you know, do you have the materials that you need, the resources to evacuate those kids? What if there are children with oxygen, if there are children with, you know, apparatus that come with them, you know, how are you going to account for those? How do you get those out? And, Technology helps because you can keep track of everybody. You know, um, we do have one case study that's fascinating out. I believe it's on the KidCheck website and it was a church in Virginia and they actually had a very large um, special needs ministry Mm -hmm. and they had one security team member that was dedicated to just Mm -hmm. that part of the ministry. 
And they had, um, we have a con an admin console app, which takes, which is essentially taking your entire um, traditional check-in station and putting it on your phone. Mm -hmm. And that security person had access to that. So they knew what children were within the special needs ministry. Um, they knew their particular requirements for, you know, just throughout the their time there. Right. And they had them in an area where they could evacuate them easily. Right. But it was bringing that security person in with that information that right. was so helpful to them. Right. Um, and that's just a case in point on, you know, there's just security advantages when we're talking about mobility of information. It's hard right. if you don't have a live roster list that right. is like, okay, I've got this on my phone. I know my 20 students are here. Everyone's accounted for. Um, and we do have roster check-in, which is a live list that's customizable. Mm -hmm. And so those types of things are always just so helpful in right. these types of scenarios. But and that was one of the things for us with our special needs ministry for our, our for Sunday morning. Uh, we actually had a rotation schedule of our deacons where we had two deacons that's just literally their job was just to stand outside of the special needs classroom. And they were, and that was what they were there for. They were there if there was an emergency, if we needed to evacuate. They were trained and they just knew that their job was just to be there if there was an emergency. And they just actually rotated each Sunday. And they, and so they didn't have any other responsibility than to just stand outside the door and, and they, you know, in case we needed them. And so it's, it's having those little things in place ahead of time, just in case, because we knew if something happened, we were going to need help to evacuate that room. So. It's true. And, you know, having that information in your emergency response plan or in your emergency action plan is really important because then everybody knows what's going to be, what is it, the equipment that's going to be needed. Is there a separate exit that actually should be used just for special needs? Mm -hmm. um, you know, but it's those types of details that you want to put in every single one and just stay consistent with it. I love that. Um, I love that you're utilizing and leveraging the deacons for that type of support. Um, I feel like oftentimes we've got support within our ministries, but we just don't see it. And so mm -hmm. it's great to see somebody utilizing those to say you're dedicated today to special needs ministry, mm -hmm. whatever they need. If there's an emergency, you're the guys that are going to be, you know, mm -hmm. helping with that. Um, that that's a great use of your resources, yeah. I think. Yeah. So I think that's everything that I have all seven points that need to be on the emergency um, action plan, mm -hmm. but additional resources. So, mm -hmm. Um, that's really important for people to know, where do I find resources? And mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about them. Um, of course, there's um, there are websites, local county.gov sites that give specific emergency response information for your local area. Those are always a great one. Knowing your local resources, police, fire, leveraging their expertise and knowledge to help you create the plans that will most readily affect you. Right. Um, also, you know, there are resources like we've got a tremendous amount of information on the Kid Check blog about creating an emergency response plan or an emergency action plan. Um, that's also there. And you don't have to be a customer of ours 
to use that. We make, we provide that for ministries as value add. And so you always have a place to go if you need something with regards to child protection and safety and you don't, you don't really know where to look. We just encourage people to look there. So there's all kinds of resources out there. And we're giving the link to the um, emergency flip book, which is a big one. Cause I will tell you, if you print that, I can't ever remember the name of it, but it's a waterproof paper and you can get it on Amazon. But if you print that, that flip book on waterproof paper, it hangs perfectly by a door in a hallway, but with it being waterproof, even if it gets stuff on it, you just wipe it off <laughs> and it's customizable. So you can put all right. of your numbers, your information in there. And so it's a really good resource. So those are some additional um, resources that people can use. Googling just how to create an emergency action plan. You'll see just a whole bunch of stuff come up because everybody knows how important it is for organizations. Mm -hmm. So we, we love that because Virginia and I are big on don't reinvent the wheel. Amen. If, you can, if you can look <laughs> at a guide, if you can find something that can be adjusted with your information, it's just those mm -hmm. kinds of things are so helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that. That should be a life motto to not, you know, no reason to reinvent the wheel. Yes. No so I hope that people will, you know, um, be able to find information. And specifically, I think your local resources are always really good. Um, especially those .gov sites on the county side, mm -hmm. they do a lot. In FEMA, FEMA has a tremendous amount of information. So you, there's there's no lack of information out there. And um, but you're right, don't reinvent the wheel. Find mm -hmm. examples of what people are doing and leverage those. I'm sure everybody's happy to sh help and share because right. it, it, it can be daunting. It is. Mm -hmm. So we've talked, you've shared so much wonderful information about creating these emergency plans. What are just some week to week ministry practices that we can have to make things easier on ourselves mm -hmm. if an emergency does crop up? That's a great question because I think um, there are some things we can do, just little things that help take the load off every week. We've already talked a lot about really setting up a training and education plan. Mm -hmm. That's a really important part. But an even bigger part of that is having a child protection policy in place. Mm -hmm. And that also is a very large piece of your overall safety plan and another big bucket item. But having those procedures either updated or specific to your organization is really helpful because it just minimizes the gray area of interacting with kids. Mm -hmm. Puts everybody on the same page. Everybody, know, everybody knows what are your bathroom procedures? Mm -hmm. Do you follow the rule of twos? You know, what are classroom ratios? What do those look like? That's a huge one, especially with emergency response. Do you have the correct classroom ratios? enough resources within your ministry to support if there was an emergency. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that child protection policy has all of these policies and procedures. And so making sure that you're not only training on the emergency action stuff, but you're also training on those policies each week as well. Mm -hmm. Whether you alternate and do, here's our bathroom procedures, or, you know, here is, um, here's our check-in and check-out process. You know, here's how, even if you're not using an electronic solution, 
you should have something in place to ensure that children are being released to those who are authorized to shoot, pick them up. And so whatever that looks like for your ministry, make sure that you're training on that. Everybody knows about that. Everybody's educated. Um, Identification is another big one. So whether you're using guardian tags, as we call them, for the children, all of your volunteers having some sort of a designation, whether it's a lanyard, so that when people look, they know exactly what that person's role is, is really important and helpful, too. Um, You know, the other thing that I would always say is that you're creating a culture that Mm -hmm. is what we call in our world, speak of culture. So you're putting forth, you're creating an environment where people, if they see something, no matter how small or large, they feel they can say something. Right. Having those open door policies, having, you know, that's the biggest thing after an incident occurs. The first response is always, oh, there were no red flags. There were no red flags. But then you start asking more questions and you start sort of stepping through a timeline and all of a sudden they're red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag that people saw, but didn't feel comfortable saying or mentioning to someone or, but creating that culture and that environment Mm -hmm. where you can speak up. We're all here to protect the children um, is really important. And you can't be everywhere at once. You know, you, you, you can't see everything that's going on in your ministry, no matter how small or large. And so you want to empower people, empower people with the knowledge of your procedures and your policies and encourage them. If you see something outside of those, please bring it to my attention. Right. You know, um, it's the biggest thing we face oftentimes in ministry is nobody wants to upset the apple cart. Nobody wants to say anything. Right. right. When if somebody would have just said something, um, you know, it would, it would really be helpful. So I know that's a lot. I know that's a lot. <laughs> to take in. And, uh, I've, I've, you know, I could go on for days about all those policies, but those in particular, the ones that I mentioned, I think are the ones that will help you because it also helps you to leverage your volunteers. Mm-hmm. Because you can't do everything as a children. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. You have, and you know, it's, I struggle with delegation. I'm sure other people struggle with delegation. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's an ongoing theme for a lot of us who have a lot of responsibility. But being able to to really delegate some of those things right. is helpful, especially on the safety and security side. You know, um, right. and then one thing that I don't often mention, but I think is really important, mm-hmm. is no matter how small or large your ministry is, considering a safety committee. Yes. Um, You know, it seems so simple, but yet people don't approach it as this could really help me. Whether you have two people or five people having a safety committee that's responsible for reviewing your policies and procedures, updating Mm -hmm. them if things change, educating, maybe they're the ones that help with training or schedule mm-hmm. training, you know, that safety committee doesn't have to be large and bureaucratic. Right. It can be small and flexible and nimble and help you as a director to really make your environment safer, improve child right. safety. 
So well, it doesn't all fall on your shoulders so much then too, right. because it's not just, I'm saying that this needs to be done. It becomes, right. you know, this group has come together and reviewed everything. And then we've made decisions that this has to be done. Mm-hmm. And so, cause we've talked a lot about, you know, people are, are often told when you come into ministry, don't change anything for the first year. But I've always told children's ministers that 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 doesn't count for safety and security because that is something that has right. to be addressed very quickly. Yeah. And so if you're coming into a new place, having a group of people that can help you review everything and then set mm-hmm. things off to begin with mm-hmm. is going to be a huge support for you because it's not just the new person coming in and changing everything. Right. It's right. it's a group that you know has worked together to make this the mm-hmm. ministry safe. Absolutely. And I can't, can you imagine being a 23 or 24 year old person coming into a new ministry position and having to convince leadership and board and, you know, all of these people that you need to improve child safety. It's, it's, it's asking, it is, and it just, it puts a pit in my stomach. So I think by having that support team and include parents, There is nothing wrong with asking a parent if they would sit on your safety committee team. Right. You know, they don't have to be people that are directly um, working for the church or house of worship. They can be a parent that has an interest in just improving child safety. Um, You know, but it, it just seems so easy to me, but it, a parent, it, sometimes it can be a little more challenging to pull those together, but they're worth the investment of time. Right. And, and especially in, as you mentioned, so many churches have, you know, you'll have, you know, police officers or firemen or EMT or people like that already within your congregation who more than likely would be happy to use this area of their expertise to benefit their church. So, Absolutely. and then again, it's not just you saying it, it's Deacon Bill, who's also a fireman or, right. <laughs> you know, right whoever who's also a police officer. And so, yeah. And I always encourage people um, to track the numbers so that when you go into a leadership meeting, you can actually present information to say, you know, we went from screening 20% of our volunteers to a hundred percent of our volunteers. It's not just the people that are directly working with children now, we're screening everybody that's around them Mm -hmm. Um, and have those metrics, have those numbers to be able to say, this is what I'm doing to improve child safety. Um, And being aware of the actual layout of why child safety is so important. I mean, screening, which is a whole nother conversation, (laughs) you know, that is we're never going to eliminate hundred percent of abuse. We're just, right. we're just not going to do that. But if we take a comprehensive approach to actually screening people, and that includes multiple steps, um, some things that weren't around five years ago, social media check is a good example. Right. You know, for those that are around children, are you checking their social media accounts? Are they, you know, um, you know, that's a big one that we see oftentimes today. A lot of younger people live out loud and, you know, you want to make sure that there's a value match there Mm -hmm. in terms of what's being posted and what's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing in screening that wasn't around even Mm -hmm. three years ago. And now it's like part of the application process, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there's just so many things, but, you know, 
screening is just a huge part of it, but you can't do it all by yourself. You know, so you got to get your generals in line to help you, you know, who, where's my safety committee? Can they help me with screening? Can they help me with policy, procedure, implementation, education, you know, all these things. Um, I just, I hope people will take away from our conversation that they probably have more access to resources than they Mm. even realize. Right. Right. And, um, but for ministry directors to be able to state your position to leadership on, this is what I'm doing by the numbers in terms of improving child safety goes a long way to getting um, the support that's needed. So where can we find some of these resources that you've been sharing with us? You've shared, kind of mentioned some different blog posts and things. How do we find some of these resources you've mentioned? Great question. Yeah. Uh, Anyone can visit kidcheck.com. And out there, you'll find our blog, which has a tremendous amount of child protection and safety information. But on our homepage of kidcheck.com, down towards the bottom, there are a multitude of free safety resources. Mm-hmm. We have the emergency instructions flipbook um, that is available. We we actually just released an ebook this week yeah. um, that takes it pretty much encapsulates all of the high points of it's called optimizing child safety in your organization. Oh, nice. So we now have that um, complimentary ebook out there for you. Yeah. Um, there are video series for training. There is a tremendous amount of case studies. If you want to see creative ways that other organizations are utilizing check-in to help their kids area run more efficiently or manage um, just m- more communication with parents and volunteers and family that's all out there as well and so yes please it's and once again you don't have to be using our solution to have access to that information Um, there are a lot of people i talk with that aren't kid check customers but leverage all of our safety information for you know a starting point for putting together their safety plans and so yeah kidcheck.com and it's all out there for you. Awesome. awesome. And you can find us also on social media. We're mm-hmm. on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. I think we've got a YouTube channel. Um, and so those are all available resources as well. Well, Angela, we just so appreciate that you spent time with us today and that you're sharing all of your information because, like I said at, at the start, Virginia and I are so passionate about safety and security for our ministries. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is just overwhelming when you're trying mm-hmm. to look at the big picture. And so for you to be able to take us through smaller bites at a time and things to think mm-hmm. through has just been so incredibly helpful. And we just really appreciate you so very much. Thank you for the opportunity. And I just, I'm so grateful that there are people like you that want to get this information out there to, you know, to everyone. It makes such a difference. And, you know, this is, for those of us who work in this area, it's such a passion, the child protection Mm -hmm. and safety. And so I want to thank both of you for all the work that you do and the time. It takes a lot of effort to put the, this kind of content out. So I just appreciate that you're willing to do that for the community. We're grateful. We're grateful to have you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Dr. Virginia, that was so fun, (laughs) which I know it's, it's odd to say safety and security is fun, but I do enjoy (laughs) talking about 
ways that we can better protect our ministries. And so it was a great conversation with Angela. I was so excited that she could join us today. Friends, as always, we are very grateful that you joined us as well today. We are just so thankful that you take time out of your day to spend with us and to hear our conversations. And we just want to meet you where you are. So again, please subscribe and like and do all the things. Um, Send us messages. Let us know if there's a topic that you would like us to cover. If there's a question that you have that you would like us to answer, we would love to be able to help you in that way. And so we look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.